first two weeks, you know, the main focus has been on trying to get ourselves a little bit higher up the field. The gaffer sounds off after a couple of results for Nashville SC in preseason, a 2-2 draw with St. Louis, a 2-1 win over SKC, and Nashville SC is unbeaten in preseason in matches that nobody has seen. Welcome into Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I'm Wes Bowling, who's done that on radio. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com, which you will note is a website. The .com at the end is your giveaway there. So That is some 1994 knowledge right there. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Gary Smith, a statement of intent that we played in the cold open, and we'll give you more detail on that soundbite later. The idea of playing higher up the pitch, Nashville learning and developing in preseason. Tim, that's what it's about. Nice to get a result against St. Louis and go up 2-0 against starters, I guess. Always good to win 2-1 as Air Force One flies over you in in, uh, in Florida. But ultimately, preseason, it's not about that. It's not about results. It's about finding answers to questions you'll be asked throughout the year. Yeah, and um, that's something that has been pretty consistent throughout. Um, yeah, it's consistent across MLS, but it's been particularly consistent um, throughout the tenure of, of this coaching staff, throughout the tenure of of basically this entire franchise, whether that's in the USL days or, or stretching into MLS, it's about getting ready. It is not about getting results. And and any result that you get is nice. It, it feels nice. It can give the guys confidence, but it is totally secondary to preparing yourself to, to compete during the course of the season. The best thing in preseason is not the matches, which we don't get to see except for the highlights <laughs> either club chooses to share on Twitter it's hearing from the gaffer. We're going to hear a lot from the gaffer today. We open with him. We're going to feature him prominently in the show today. As we're going to ask a few questions, what is preseason about for Nashville SC specifically? What goals are they seeking to achieve tactically from a personnel standpoint? Uh, have the boys in gold landed maybe on a solution to kickstart their attack? You heard Gary Smith allude to it in the open. Plus, Gary, really bullish on his new wing, Tyler Boyd. He volunteered some strong praise for his, his winger a couple times Tuesday, including in an answer to one of Tim's questions. And in a moment, we're going to debut our Bearded Iris Tap of the Week. Plus your mailbag questions. What are some formations that we want to see Gary try this year? A lot to talk about. But Tim, I pulled off um, a brace Friday night. Did you know that? I scored a break okay. for the first time in my life. I went to Bearded Iris, and then I went yes. to ML Rose with a number yes. of wonderful people uh, that are club and country listeners. And uh, starting with ML Rose, I was really excited because I got a patty melt that was outstanding. And the server told me, that's the that's the burger of the month. The month is ending. So I was going to get on here and promote the patty melt and how great it was. It's <laughs> moving on now. Still, it was outstanding. And ML Rose, I have no question they're going to top themselves in February. Yeah. Dude, I love a patty melt. Like I gotta get there tomorrow. <laughs> or, uh, today, when most people are listening to this, probably hustle down to ML Rose and, and get your burger of the month. Patty melt, little chance. Great. Do it. Love a love a little love a little bit of rye bread and Swiss cheese. You know how it goes. So, um, yeah, like you said, not only uh, did they have a good burger of the month this month that's about to end but you can guarantee that the february burger of the month is going to be great and you can uh run through all 12 months that there are indeed 12 of them and each month it's going to be a really good burger they they come up with stuff that is both uh fairly standard like a patty melt but they come up with some pretty incredible creative stuff some of these months as well and that's something that has always been one of the many factors that sets emil rose apart from a lot of the places around town 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. Their inventiveness, their curiosity, and their excellent service closed out the night there Friday with uh, some club and country listeners. And even more of them came to our get-together at Bearded Iris, uh, our new sponsor, segment sponsor for the Tap of the Week. That in just a moment. But first, I want to thank everybody who did come out Friday. Dozens of people there. Great crowd, wonderful conversation that did, as I mentioned, spill over to ML Rose. Uh, longtime listeners that we talk to and hear from in the mailback every week. And some newcomers that literally told us, I've been listening for just a couple of weeks and wanted to come meet you guys and see what you're all about. We even had some Spurs supporters, which was really disappointing. Yeah. It was It'll especially, happen. well, it was especially disappointing that they ended up being really nice people. You want to demonize <laughs> your rivals, and I couldn't do that. Um, so with that said, uh, the tap of the week is a double entendre for Bearded Iris. First and foremost, talking about a play of the week or maybe not quite relevant yet for Nashville SC. Uh, and then a beer of the week, a tap of the week, because a tap is also, if you're unfamiliar, Tim, it's it's a place that you can actually pour beer out of into a glass. I don't know if you've ever had one of these draft beers. That this, is, this is called this is called draft beer is what they call it. It is because huh. you want to draft it first when you go to a bar. I'll have to, I'll have to look into it. it. Yeah, you should. I have to look into 18 of them. You know what? Challenge accepted. I'm there with you, friend. I am there with you. Uh, So I want to talk first about about the tap of the week, the uh, the beer of the week for Bearded Iris, and that is Chasing Rainbows. Uh, I got a four-pack when I was there. Not this time, not the time before, but the time before that, I think. I'm going a lot these days. And uh, it's great. You know, if you if you know Bearded Iris, you know that they are excellent at the New England IPA, like the citrusy IPA game. They do a lot of other things very well. But Chasing Rainbows has more of a tropical feel. Think home style, but with like maybe some pineapple notes to it. Oh, no, I'm gonna have to give tasting notes on this thing every week. And I'm not great at that. Uh, but Chasing <laughs> Rainbows, uh, excellent, excellent beer you can get on draft uh, and also in can at Bearded Iris and uh, Tim, it's, it's fantastic. Got to, got to give a shout for chasing rainbows. I actually had one with dinner tonight and uh, I recycled the can before I got a chance to show it to you, but also beautiful art on the can chasing rainbows. <laughs> fantastic. Tossing it over yeah, to you absolutely, now. Absolutely. So, so listen, man, uh, maybe, maybe we should switch responsibilities if you need tasting notes on beer. <laughs> Not an artist at that. <laughs> I, I like to think I'm a wordsmith, but maybe I need to work on <laughs> every every wine or beer tasting I've ever been to. You know the the person. No wine. Wine is this. This tastes like fermented grapes. Is, am, I, am I getting a hint of fermented in grape here? Oaky afterbirth is uh, my. <laughs> yeah. But beer, beer, I know very well. Beer, you know, beer well. virus. Uh, you know, they do it better than basically anybody else. Um, a, a New England IPA. Or, or an IPA generally is not always for me, but when you, when, you know, you see that, that Iris logo on the can, you know, it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. We've got, like you mentioned, those, those citrus hops. And that's something that they can really take the edge off. If people are afraid of an IPA, the citrus hops really do make it a bit more of accessible of a beer. And that's something that um, I think Chasing Rainbows really does well. It's almost a different category when you go to Bearded Iris than any other IPA you're going to drink. And I know that because I've tried to recreate uh, or or find an imitator of bearded iris in other cities I travel to and have yet to do it successfully. So it's it's pretty epic, pretty awesome. Chasing rainbows, highly recommend it. Uh, now the other meaning, of course, of tap of the week. You mentioned last week you had one in mind that obviously not relevant maybe to the week, but a an assist, a pass, a touch, a goal that stands out to you for Nashville SC. This will be a lot easier to do during the season, by the way. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna audible and I'm gonna go with uh, both of of the assists from today's friendly. 
Um, shout out to Shaq Moore, the cross to Jacob Schaffelberg uh, for the first goal uh, this afternoon. And um, I believe it was McKenzie Gaines, uh, maybe a little bit of accidental touch that was headed home by Tyler Boyd. Uh, shout out to both of those guys. Um, obviously, Shaq has, has had assists for this club in the past and will have many more in the future. But I believe that's the that's the first in any competition or or friendly for McKenzie Gaines. And uh, may it also be the first of many. Uh, beer Lyric, Sylvan Supply location, Germantown location. Go by the tap rooms. If you see the beer in stores, buy it, of course. But check out that uh, that Sylvan Supply tap room. It, uh, we filled it up on Friday night and uh, you can you can do that yourself and take that upon yourself here in the future as well. I'll go with you guys. Now let's get into the early shout. High points, Tim, of Nashville SC's first two preseason matches. A pair of goals from Jacob Schaffelberg, one in each contest, the other two also coming from wingers, Mackenzie Gaines and Tyler Boyd. Late goals from St. Louis against a second team squad. Goal from KC to tie things up in the first half before Nashville's eventual winner. But Nashville depleted, as is often the case in preseason. Several players working their way back to health. Hani Mukhtar, Walker Zimmerman, Dan Lovitz, Anibal Godoy. With that in mind, with those qualifiers, what do you take away from these two early results that, again, we've seen a combined four plays from? <laughs> I think the important thing to keep in mind is, is because you don't see the guys that you just mentioned, Hani, Walker, Lovitz, Godoy, um, you're, you've seen a limited amount of Sean Davis so far, for example, these are guys that Nashville is going to rely on over the course of the year, but in their absence, the boys and girls are able to build some depth and they're able to see what they have from the depth of the roster. I think that's something that's important. And it's something that, you know, we've talked pretty regularly about not having enough of last year. And if Nashville wants to kind of, it's, it's not necessarily about seeing things, but it's about, but it's about um, kind of developing things. I would say if you are without guys that, you know, are going to be, you know, regular pieces of the roster over the course of the season and developing guys uh, game readiness who are going to have to step in at times. Uh, I asked Gary Smith about it today and I said, Lucas McNaughton basically ended up playing starters minutes for you guys last year. So you weren't afraid to have him in the lineup at all today. And he said, of course I wasn't. And so those <laughs> yeah. are the sorts of things that you only get with game reps. And even if they're friendlies, um, it helps this team prepare for a long season with a lot of competitions. This club has five center backs. They wouldn't mind starting more on that uh, in just a little bit. But first I want to get to the note that stood out to me. And this is actually from a question you asked Gary following the St. Louis friendly about what the team is working on in the absence of the Hani Mukhtars of the world, Walker Zimmerman, you know, what is what is the objective of preseason from a tactical and stylistic standpoint? And Gary Smith with some pretty strong words that I think reveal how Nashville might seek to fix what was a, a flagging attack in the second half of last year. In these first two weeks, you know, the main focus has been on trying to get ourselves a little bit higher up the field. Um, what does that look like? What do the relationships look like? Um, you know, there's many, many facets of of being a, a better and more aggressive team. And slowly but surely, I think not only are we seeing some 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 real important um, connections forming, but physically you're going to grow over the course of the preseason, and you would hope that 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 becomes uh, a more natural event. So playing higher up the pitch, forcing opponent mistakes. I don't think, Tim, that he's saying that Nashville's going to become a St. Louis or especially a Red Bulls or maybe even a Philadelphia. But more generally speaking, is a more aggressive press, is getting the Sam Surges and Tyler Boyds, et cetera, involved in pressing, is that 
maybe a cure or the best cure to what ailed Nashville's attack last year. I've heard this song and dance before, to be fair. Gary yeah. said this a, a couple times in USL. Um, he said it, uh, you know, I, certainly after the first MLS season. I don't think he said it going into that first MLS season, but he says it regularly. And you will see Nashville press a little bit more. You will especially see that early in the season. I do think as the season goes along, first of all, a press is going to tire out your players. And we have talked about how this club is in a lot of competitions and doesn't have a ton of depth. They probably won't stick with it for a very, very long time unless it is achieving just incredible results. And then, and then secondly, I think when the you know season gets to the point where you feel like you need to get results, we know what Gary Smith is most comfortable with and pressing can be a factor in that, but it is not going to be in every possession sort of thing where the opponent gets on the ball and all of a sudden they're, they're being harassed and the turnover is close to their own goal. It's just not the identity of this club. It has been, um, you know, it has been a, a strong aspect of this club that that's not what they do because it means they can defend so well in their own half um, because they drill it and they know how to do it super well. You don't want to, uh, kind of be a jack of all trades and a master of none. We know Nashville SC is a master of defending in their own half. They'll add that as kind of a change up to, to be able to press, but it's not going to be an identity of this club, at least not over 34 regular season games. And, um, you know, inshallah, a ton of, of uh, <laughs> leagues cup and, and CCL yeah. games as well. To first of all, I embrace everything you're saying. And, and a number of times we've heard Gary say, we want to ask questions of the final third of X opponent in the first 15 minutes and get after them and button them down. And sometimes it happens, many times it doesn't. But this is a group that really trusts its center back grouping. It has experienced left and right backs, and it has more depth, more youth, and more speed. I would argue whether or not this ends up happening that was at least the intent, right? This, this mm-hmm. the intent of the roster build is to give him the weapons to do exactly that, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I kind of I lean more into this idea there's, when I see yeah, the there's there's no problem there's no problem trying to get good enough at something that will also have value in that it is surprising to the opponent that and that's about as much as you are going to see Nashville use it. The effectiveness is amped up because it's not expected. Okay. It doesn't need okay. to be perfect like a lot of their, you know, settled defense is because um you know, you're kind of catching the opponent by surprise and then if it doesn't work to to press it in their half, you can sit, get back into your settled defense and do what you do so well. Uh, let's look at Nashville's starting 11 for that St. Louis match and then briefly SKC is going to make for great radio, but just really quickly Joe Willis <laughs> was in goal. Uh Taylor Washington in for Dan Lovitz, who's working his way back to health. Mayor McNaughton in the absence of Zimmerman holding down the center back slots. Alex Mule in for Shaq Moore for that first match because Moore was coming back from mm-hmm. his national team duty. Sean Davis and Brian Anunga. Davis and Yearwood split some time as they were both working their way back into fitness. Schaffelberg and Leal, the wings. Tyler Boyd in the, in the central attacking spot. Tim just pulled a jujitsu move and correcting me and reversing Boyd and Leal the rundown. <laughs> Uh, and Sam Surridge up top. Three changes in the win over SKC. Shaq Moore was back and ready, so he comes in for Alex Wheel. Drew Yearwood in for Davis. Mackenzie Gaines rotates in for Randall Leal. I-, I know, I know, I know. Personnel limitations. But in terms of the setup that Nashville's showing here, what do you take away? What can we learn, Sands, Hani, and several other starters? I think the, the most interesting thing is that Tyler Boyd, played he you know he did slide out to the wing a bit which is where he is expected to play a lot but in the absence of Hani Mukhtar they're really giving him the opportunity to be that um you know that either that number 10 or that second striker however you want to look at it and Mm -hmm. I think that he's 
probably a, a type of player that Nashville has never really had there. He's not, he's not uh, a Randall Layall who is going to play the position so differently than Hani Mukhtar does. He doesn't have the athletic ability that Hani does. He has a more desire to create his own shot. And obviously Hani does end up shooting a ton, but, but Hani is first and foremost um, in his mind, a distributor is it, goal scoring is something he has really had to learn. And he's been very open about that over the course of his time at Nashville SC. He feels like a distributor. Um, Leal is a guy who's going to shoot. Boyd is a guy who kind of, um, you know, blends the the best of each of those guys, the ability to distribute, but also the ability to crank the long shot, the ability to have a little bit more athleticism than Leal, maybe a little bit less reliance on that athleticism and getting out in transition than Hani is, has to do. Um, obviously he, you know, um, I just mentioned <laughs> the team being a jack of all trades, master of none. He might have a little bit of that aspect to him where he doesn't have an elite trait that really sets him apart, that really has made him um, kind of the U.S. men's national team player that we all hoped he would be when he filed his one-time switch from New Zealand. But I do think when you look at him and you see kind of the total package that he brings, it can be really intriguing, whether it's at that number 10 slash second striker spot or on the wing, which is, you know, when Hani's healthy, where he's going to be playing a heck of a lot more. And if the roster mandates in the offseason were youth, attacking punch, and versatility, Boyd provides all three of those, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> for this team. And it was interesting to hear Gary Smith talk about Boyd. He volunteered Boyd's name in two different answers Tuesday in his press conference, including uh, the second time he mentioned him right away in his second question that you asked. When you asked, you know, what's the benefit to having a guy like Hani Mukhtar out in the preseason to find other answers? You know, what did you see, Gary? And Gary said this about Tyler Boyd. Tyler, as I've just said, has shown us he's capable on the flanks. Um, you know, his, his connection for one of the goals against St. Louis, great. Today, he, he looked a, a threat in a slightly different way. His pass um, for, you know, he created the moment really for Jacob's ball and his own goal. We're seeing a... a like I said, a, a very impactful, intelligent, attacking player. And the, the one thing I'm looking forward to seeing regularly are Sam, Hanny, Tyler, and then you've got the likes of Randall, Jacob, McKenzie. You know, if all of those guys are fit and available, which, of course, we hope they will be, with the amount of games we've got coming up in the early part of the season, you know, it's a, it's a nice group to be picking from. Tim, we usually hear pretty guarded takes from Gary Smith about individual players heading into the season. I mean, he'll he'll give some love to some new guys because he wants to, to explain what those players' roles are going mm -hmm. to be and potential. But this is really high praise along Gary's standards. We heard Mike Jacobs give some of the same in his interview with us last week that you guys should check out. Still pretty evergreen if you've not listened to it. Why do you think they're taking that tack? Is it that they truly do believe that Tyler Boyd can do this yes i'd say that's sincere but to go to that <laughs> next level and actually express that out loud in in spades mm -hmm. what does that tell you about their feelings about boyd yeah i think it is is the importance that he is going to have to this team and you know with a healthy honey mukhtar he's not going to be an every game starter you have mckenzie Gaines there you have jacob schaffelberg you have randall layall um, and obviously, like i said a healthy honey is going to play the lion's share of minutes at the number 10 but boyd can play either wing he can play as that number 10. He can play as a striker. I think kind of hyping a guy up because he is going to be relied upon. Um, it, it gives him confidence to hear his coach talk about him in such positive terms and to hear his general manager talk about him in such 
positive terms, but it's also a situation where I think these guys are just really excited for the player that they have and, and they want to kind of prepare people to say, Hey, Tyler Boyd is going to be a key piece of this machine. Let's, let's, you know, get the, get the fan base ready for it. Let's get people excited about what he's going to be able to bring. A lot more to talk about. We'll use the mailbag to address most of those topics. And we'll talk about one of our favorite other topics. And that is again, ML Rose. Uh, Tim, we mentioned the curiosity of a place like ML Rose. I love the video feature that they put on their social media channels five, six days ago, depending on when folks are listening. We got to know Lacey a little bit. She's a bartender at the Sylvan Park location. She's also responsible for the beautiful art on the tap board, the draft board up above the bar. She draws all the designs for the uh the drafts in chalk i think it's chalk it's amazing it's beautiful uh leveraging local talent in multiple ways at their bar in a way that's going to also add to the uh the diner experience yeah and th- this is sort of thing where you know we we talk so much about about the obvious um, in these situations but it's the actual attention to detail and things like that that make um you know hopefully uh a, a really good fit for sponsoring this podcast. We like to fancy ourselves attenders a to detail as well. And, um, you know, we would love to, um, you know, we would love to recognize that, that the people that are, you know, see that in us, see, uh, you know, live it out in their business plans as well. Yeah. It was great to sit down with, with Aaron and will and meet some other new friends at ML Rose Friday night. Uh, as part of, uh, again, my frequent visits to that wonderful establishment. But of course, those are about to pick up at a different location, 8th Avenue, just a 14 minute and what was it? 23 second walk from Geodis Park? I think it was 20. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at my okay. historical uh, Steve Jobs to be accurate. <laughs> Truth and advertising, very important. Let's get it down to the second and we'll move on to the mailbag. And NSC Stats reaching out. Uh, this was before Tuesday's Friendly. A lot of these questions were, he says, I'm cautiously optimistic ahead of the 24 season. How much of that is my inflated opinion of the shiny new toy? And how much of it is legit? By shiny new toy, I'm guessing he might have meant plural there, the, the new players coming in, but maybe in particular void. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we don't know how good these players are going to be when the lights come on. It's fair to be. It's, it's part of what makes following sports fun is that uh, at the beginning of every season, you have the hope that everything is ahead of your team. Um, and, and occasionally, if you're a fan of the beloved Michigan Wolverines, they actually finally do it uh, every once in a while. But uh, no, I, I think I think um, you know I can't speak for for NSC stats and, and why you feel the way you do. I think the one thing that I would keep in mind, if I'm a fan of this team who's looking to be optimistic or or isn't optimistic and and uh, maybe looking for silver line, linings, is that last season, other than League's Cup. Uh, Ended up just kind of everything that could go wrong, uh, luck-wise, did in the second half of the season. And if you say if Nashville just had kind of average luck, they're probably a top half. They're probably hosting a home playoff game. They have all these sorts of their series, I guess. Um, but they have all these all all these things that um, you know they were you know a razor thin margin away from from accomplishing and that doesn't mean that they were going to win mls cup if they had average luck over the second half of the season but certainly if you're looking forward and you're you're kind of projecting into the 2024 season you can say okay if those things don't go bad and this team just gets a little bit better adding tyler boyd adding mckenzie Gaines, you have a chance to really kind of um take the ceiling off of, of what have been the expectations for this team in recent years. And I think the defining factor of this season is going to be how Nashville approaches the rotation of multiple competitions compared to other MLS clubs. When you have a record number of MLS teams participating in CCL, 
yes, we're still calling it that because Mike Jacobs told us we could. Uh, Leaks Cup, of course, still a thing. You know, fatigue is going to be a bigger factor than ever before. And if Nashville can prioritize and focus, it will not win everything. I don't think anybody expects it to, but I think it can overachieve if it does the same thing with competitions that Mike Jacobs and this front office like to do with players, which is finding um, efficiencies or inefficiencies rather in other clubs approaches and doing something a little bit different. And that goes to Jared's question. He says, rank the competitions Nashville will play in an order of which you'd want to win the most. I'm not going to do that, Jared, not because I don't respect or like you, but because I want to do it more in line with, I think, the spirit of most of the questions along this vein, which is what will Nashville SC choose to do? I think that's more important than what I would like to Nashville to win. I think MLS Cup still comes first for this club. I think it always will. And I think CCL, honestly, is probably toward the bottom, maybe just ahead of US Open Cup. Now, if they got to the round of eight, if they beat Miami in that round of 16 after getting by Mocha, are they going to field a first choice lineup? Yes, I think they will. I also think the odds, Tim, of Nashville SC winning CCL and getting that ultimate prize of going to Club World Cup, the only thing that matters really in that competition, I know it's expanded a little bit. I think a second place can still get into Club World Cup now. Anyway, hard to do. Easier to do, in my opinion, is to put yourself in position to host a playoff game. And whereas I think there are a lot of MLS clubs with better chances of advancing deep in CCL than Nashville, I think Nashville will see that and say it's a chance to pick up early points that other CCL teams will not be able to pick up, which represents most of the strong clubs in this league. Let's go in. Let's get seven points in those first three league matches, even at the expense of maybe losing to Miami in the second round of CCL. So I would say MLS Cup first, Leagues Cup second, because it does perpetuate that involvement in CCL. Supporter Shield third only because it is relatively unrealistic, I think, hard to achieve. CCL and then U.S. Open Cup. That is, uh, that's my order of what I think Nashville will prioritize. But what do you think? I like uh, considering regular season games an undervalued asset that Nashville SC can put more resources. But, it's, in. but that's possibly true, right? <laughs> you know, Miami's going to go all in on yeah. on the glamour tournaments, right? I yeah. mean, I this is one example, but I yeah. it, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. In terms of what Nashville SC is going to do, I think you have it right. In terms of what I would like to do. Um, I think CCL, it, it, continental competition is is just a different animal and it, it is more meaningful around the world in terms of what cash you pick up for doing it. Yes, it's also much harder to win. And, and I think the reasons that you said that Nashville SC won't prioritize, prioritize it are accurate as to why they will indeed not end up prioritizing it. Um, I think MLS Cup is always going to be this club's number one goal. Um, and I don't think that changes uh, at the very least until they do win one. So I think you're right in that. But I would say CCL, then MLS Cup, uh, and then kind of in the same order that you have Leagues Cup, Supporters Shield, U.S. Open Cup. Um, it's it's kind of sad the way that U.S. Open Cup has been treated. Um, yeah. But, you know, that that's the nature of the beast. Uh, the competition is the competition, at least in the 2024 season. I don't think any MLS clubs are going to prioritize it even if uh, USSF kind of says you cannot play your B teams in this tournament. Um, we'll see what happens uh, with the final disposition of that. But I do think that unfortunately us open cup is going to end up being last. And that, that that's also in part because it is difficult to win. Not unlike yeah. uh, CCL. It's something that, that it's a grind in a different way that um, you can't make up points if you lose in a knockout tournament either. So it's something that that Nashville SC, um, you know, they, they don't really have the bandwidth to to compete in all of these competitions. And I think that's the one that takes the takes the, uh, you know, the lesser end of their effort. 
Sam with a related question asking what our projected starting 11 versus Mocha would be and then uh, what it would be against Red Bulls in that next MLS match. Because I'm curious to see how much rotation Gary uses. And, and Gary Smith actually spoke to this uh, today, Tuesday, after SKC. Let's hear what he has to say. Given our schedule, yes, the Dominican game against Mocha is going to be a, a very exciting and important game for the club. And we, we, you know, everything's planned towards being ready for that. What I don't want to dismiss or miss is the fact that we have some very challenging games and a very tough schedule to open up our calendar this year. And we're going to need a, a group of players that are ready. So therefore, yes, I'm, I'm balancing the minutes or trying to. And I want to make sure that as many of these players are, are clear and concise about what we're trying to achieve and happy in the environment that they're working. But I think just to maybe be a little bit, a little bit more pointed to your question, maybe the last game of our pre-season, I would imagine that the vast majority of players that start that game and play the lion's share of minutes might well be the guys that go out and, and face Mocha the following week. So Timmy's not giving away an 11 here, but I feel like he and Mike Jacobs continue to prepare us for the reality that yeah. Nashville's going to at least rotate against Mocha, uh, which is a, a you 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 know what you go down to to the Dominican and you you lose two one you expect to beat that team four nothing at Jodas Park and should be okay. Do they continue then to rotate beyond that? Do you think? I mean, the temptation of playing Messi in Miami is let's repeat League's Cup and let's get him back, but. If yeah. that depletes you against Red Bulls in Colorado, is it worth it? Yeah, I, uh, I, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think it's going to be a heavily rotated squad against Mocha, like Gary implied, like Mike implied to us last week as well. Um, you know, are you are you going to see like, um, you know, Joey Desart in that game? Maybe not, but I don't <laughs> think you're going to see guys who are going to regularly feature in the in the starting eleven over the course of the regular season. Um, for the first for the first match, I. I uh, MLS match, I should specify. Um, I do think you'll see the best healthy available 11. Um, do we know if Walker Zimmerman will be 100% healthy by then? We don't. We can assume he will. Um, same with Dan Lovett. Same with the other guys who have missed preseason time so far, including Anibal Godoy. If those guys are healthy, I think you see them for that first regular season match. I do think, like we just mentioned, that MLS play is going to be the priority for this club. And, um, you know, that may be the right thing for them to do, even if it makes me a little sad to not go for broken CCL. Uh, Finn asking with the roster changes, do we foresee any changes in the formation coming this year? If not one, one formation you'd like to see Nashville try out this year, the Nashville hasn't traditionally played. I'll call an audible from what I wrote in the rundown with my second one. First one is, I want to see Jacob Schaffelberg at left wing back, not permanently, not as the star Grover Lovitz every time, but that's something Canada's done with some success. And I think it, it gives Nashville a different element, a chalk on the boots, left wing back in a match where you have to really go for it and need to attack at home. That's probably not a road look for Gary Smith, but maybe it's a <laughs> it's a home look. Um, another would be a, a 4-2-3-1 with maybe, we've talked about this before, but Leal and an attacking eight. Um, but, but I think another one now that I'm thinking of, as I see Tyler Boyd occupy a central attacking role is a four, three, three, similar to what Arsenal or the U S men's national team do with Boyd potentially at the top of that midfield, uh, with Godoy and Davis beneath him or Yearwood and Davis, Yearwood and Godoy, any combo of those guys. And then Schaffelberg and Leal on the wings with 
you know, Surge up top, Mukhtar up top. If one of them is missing, I'm realizing I've left out Hani Mukhtar, and that seems like a grave error. Um, but I think, you know, Boyd has the potential to do a lot, is what I'm trying to say. So um, I, mean, I think, you know, 3 5 2 with Schaffelberg at left wing back, a 4 2 3 1 with Leal at an eight, with Boyd in a central role, maybe there. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential to do some pretty unique things with this lineup beyond just the 4 4 2 diamond that Nashville trotted out a lot this year. Yeah, I think we're going to see mostly four two three one or that diamond that we saw last year. Those are the things that Gary Smith is the most comfortable with. Um, whether it, I think essentially the the question is, do you have two defensive midfielders or three defensive midfielders? Mm-hmm. The way they play that diamond sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I would like to see actually is is a kind of Red Bull esque, but probably not playing it the same way. Four two 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 with two defensive midfielders. And then two kind of more central attacking midfielders to, to clog up the middle. And then two strikers. Obviously, one of those strikers would be Sam Surge. The, the other one could be either Hani Mukhtar or it could be one of your speedy wingers like we saw in Nashville do with that diamond last year. The two strikers were Surge and a winger um, by trade who was just kind of playing in that position. It was often Fafa Pico or Jacob Schaffelberg. And I think you put Hani and Boyd as those kind of dual tens to mm-hmm. give you some athleticism, mm-hmm. to give you some playmaking. And then your holding midfielders are, are you know, the holding midfielders you would expect, whether that's uh, Yearwood and Davis or whomever else, um, you know, if Godoy's fully healthy, him for one of those guys, I think that's what you would see at those holding spots. And um, I, I think you could get a lot of different things out of that. You lose a lot of width, and I don't think Gary Smith is going to be somebody who's, who's willing to lose a lot of width um, very often with his formation. A lot of work on those fullbacks if you do that, for sure. Logan asking mm-hmm. if there's going to be any competition for the reserve number nine role, and um, I think beyond Teal, who's the number two, I think this is where Boyd can slide in as well. This is the Tyler Boyd episode, I guess. But, you know, I don't know that a Dim Sipic is there yet. We've talked about this on the show. Mm-hmm. Nashville is going to be conservative as they should be with him. Yeah. Maybe they still bring in somebody in the Zubac role. But at this point, it kind of feels like they're just counting on Boyd to be able to slip there, especially in a match where maybe he gives way for Schaffelberg and Leal in the starting eleven. Yeah, I think you'll you'll see somebody playing out of position. And, and while Boyd wouldn't technically be playing out of position there, I guess, because he's so versatile, I think the depth chart as a true number nine would be Surridge, then it would be Bunbury, then it would be um, question mark. It could be Hani just playing as a lone number nine. Um, I do think Sipic gets a little bit of time this year. Gary Smith was very clear after Friday's friendly that this is a kid who's going to play the vast majority of his time with Huntsville still. They want to get him game minutes. And as as a number three or lower striker for the first team, he's not going to get a ton of game minutes. So I think you can um, you know, be a little bit conservative with how many minutes you expect him to play this year. But I do think he will get on the field, whether that's in one of these um, other competitions outside of MLS play or if it is an MLS play, he might just get a few minutes here and there. But I, I, I think it would it would likely be a Hani, it would be a Boyd, it would be possibly even a Schaffelberg if you want a lot of speed up top um, playing as as kind of that third option at the number nine. Wesley and Uncle Beasy both asking similar questions about Randall Leal. Jacobs had said the, ne- the next six months will be crucial for Randall. What does he need to do in the next six months? Basically say, say both of them there. Tim, his contract's up at the end of the year. Over the past two years, he has a combined five goals and seven assists because he's just started 60% of available league matches because he's been hurt. Uh, He's only 27 years old. He's good enough to thrive for this team. You look at what he did in 21, eight goals, nine assists. I think it's, it's basically just stay on the pitch, right? Like he'll produce if he's on the pitch, I would think. Yeah, I think, um, I've been a big Leal defender. Um, extra time just for whatever reason hates this guy. I don't think he's bad. Um, but I've been, I've been a big defender of him, but 
he's also the sort of player that is a very good player, but you know, for 1.1, $1.2 million, whatever he's making. Um, I literally have it up in front of me. I can just pull it up. Yeah. For like $1.1 million, you can, you can replace that with a player who, who gets similar production and is younger or who gets more production and is about the same age. Um, you know, we love Randall to death. We think he's a great player. Um, I think, you know, if he stays healthy and, and produces, he's still around, but if he can't stay healthy or can't produce when healthy, um, I do think you're getting to the point where, you know, five years into this club, you say, we are so thankful for what you provided to us, but um, it's also, you know, if you want to go back to Saprisa, if you want to go back to, to Costa Rica and, and do your thing there, if you want to try, uh, you know, have a second go at the European adventure, you're, you're more than welcome to do that. He's not somebody who's so crucial to the team at the price point that you could see him retiring here anymore. And I would not have said that a year ago at this time, much less um, basically any other time in, in the history of this of this club and, and Randall's time with it. There's a couple more that we won't get to tonight that are a bit evergreen that we can hit in a future episode. I want to close with Will Drumright. This is an episode-length answer, I think. So let's just give an elevator pitch here and tease maybe doing an episode on this down the road. Will, good buddy of mine actually, says, as someone who just moved to town and wants to become an NSC supporter, what are the must-knows for newbies? Number one, I'm going to say know your rivals. They are not just Cincinnati and Atlanta. Orlando, NYCFC, also not liked around here. That's one for me. What's one for you that you want to give as, as a, just a very high level and then we can go deeper here in a future episode? Yeah, I think the, the number one thing that you want to know is, is get some familiarity with what a home game is like at Geodis Park. Get familiar with Geodis Park. Get familiar with some of the supporters groups. Get familiar with some of the chants. Uh, I think the chants are very important. Um, get to know the players too. I think those are the the big. Uh, I don't know if I said four or five things there. Maybe even just three. <laughs> um, you want you kind of want to have that that broad view of what this club is all about, and you can get into the intricacies as you go forward. And that's you know that's kind of the the nature of getting to be a sports fan. Um, and, get, and getting into a new fandom at any time. But certainly with with MLS and with with this club particularly, there's still a lot to learn because the club is relatively new. And obviously Geodis Park is, is two years newer than the club. Um, and there's still, you know, new supporters groups sprouting up all the time too. So there's a lot to learn and you can grow with the club. Join a supporters group, get involved in the community of this club instead of just the fandom of this club. I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Uh, and Will, we'll talk offline about this because we were texting today about this. So look forward to hearing your experience. Uh, anything else, Tim, before we leave? Nope. I'm just looking forward to finally seeing some real soccer, finally getting more than 10 seconds of highlights. (laughs) That'd be great. Thanks to Mill Rose for the burgers, Beard Lyris for the beer, Moon Taxi for the music. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe to the show, tell a friend, follow us on Twitter, and follow all the shows on the 440 Sports Network. Thank you so much. We'll see you very soon. We will not see many highlights between now and then, uh, but we will see you, and we'll talk to you then.